0: Hey there, and welcome to episode 43 of Neil Before Odd. I'm Audrey Kearns, and this is a podcast where I like to say, I interview geek patriots. And I've got a good one for you today. The interview you're about to hear is with writer Daniel Corey. Corey is a scribe behind some wonderful comics, including uh, Moriarty, Red City, and most recently, Bloodworth, all of which are incredibly smart witty, and dabble in science fiction, which, as you know, I love. So you guys should definitely check those out. Once again, Moriarty, Red City, and Bloodworth. And Of course, we're going to be talking about those in this interview. Now, I knew Dan in the 90s. The 90s people. We were both working at Universal Studios in Orlando, and we often work together, but we never really knew each other very well. And my husband and I moved out to L.A. in 2002, and flash forward to now, and Dan and I have reconnected by chance out here in Los Angeles. Now he's this prolific writer, and I'm running Geek Girl Authority. Things have changed so much in our lives. And it was super fun catching up with Dan while doing an interview. I think that you'll definitely feel that energy as you listen to it as well. Um, I urge you to check out Dan's Kickstarter for his latest project called Bloodworth. I read the first issue and it's certainly worthy of your support. The Kickstarter will enable Daniel Corey's team to work on issue two and have the folks that work so hard on getting the issue completed paid. There's more on the world of Bloodworth in the interview, and I'm sure you're going to find that as fascinating as I did. And one last thing. Before I start, please check out geekgirlauthority.com. It will satisfy all your pop culture and geek culture needs with breaking news, trailers, wonderful guest articles, and podcasts. Check out GGA's Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And while you're at it, you should find me there as well, at Audrey Kearns, K-E-A-R-N-S in the social media world. So that's it. Enjoy yourselves, guys. Enjoy episode 43 of Kneel Before Odd with writer Daniel Corey.
1: Internet, heed this call. Open your minds and ears and prepare yourselves to kneel before odd.
0: Welcome to episode forty-three of Kneel Before Odd. I'm Audrey Kearns, and this is the podcast where I interview geek patriots. And my guest today is writer Daniel Corey. Daniel is a writer behind the graphic novels Prophet, Image Comics Moriarty, and Red City, and he's also behind the comic Bloodworth, which is currently running a Kickstarter campaign, which we're going to talk about soon. And hello, Dan, how's it going?
1: Hello, wow, wow. that was that was a heck of an intro. Thank
0: you. Well, I'm... you deserve it. Oh, thank you. You're you're, you're very deserving. Thanks for coming over to my house.
1: Oh, it's it's lovely. I'm just I'm going to be transfixed on your book uh, your bookcase here. You got yeah. so many wonderful things. I,
0: we we are we are recording in the nerd room.
1: Yeah yeah. 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 We got some Doctor Who. We got some Star Trek. We got a little everything. It's did wonderful. you notice?
0: Because you know I do, and I talk about this often. I do have obsessive compulsive disorder. And oh really? Di- yeah yes. yeah. <laughs> but did you notice that um, it. Like each shelf, you know, there's no mixing of the genres. Oh, well, you but know, so there's Star Trek, and then you got your doctor. They won't mix.
1: Yeah, well, right? that's I would think that's fair that's to normal, standard, right? Though. Yeah, it, okay. it, it totally is, absolutely.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, like uh, we were talking before we started recording, I'm not. We still have some empty shelves here that I just have basket placeholders in. So mm-hmm. there's plenty of room to grow. Yeah, um, I just need the money to, right. <laughs> to, to buy all the. The geeky stuff do you have a, a nerd room or anything some shelves or in your office or anything
1: um yeah i have an office but it's a, it's a disaster with like right. boxes of comics uh, right of, of com- course copies of, of comics course. you know uh-huh. um and uh yeah but i have some stuff i have a few statues a few things i'm proud of i uh i have um i i, I, I am friends with jerry macaluso at uh-huh. uh, pop culture shock toys and uh i got a uh, uh, David Matt Kabuki statue from him it's like a one-third um, you know size statue um, I have that on my desk next to my computer I'm, nice. I'm particularly proud of that that's really that's beautiful. your prized
0: possession right yeah now.
1: yeah absolutely I, I and I because I love that series I love David's work and uh-huh. I just love that they made such a nice uh, you know statue of it so
0: cool well you know the first question I ask all my guests is what is your nerd origin story so Daniel Corey what is your nerd origin story
1: Oh man, we're starting with that. We, we're oh, gonna start. Yeah. We're, we go right oh, into it, my friend. Man, this is heavy stuff. No, Let's not really. <laughs> I think I'm. Um, Are
0: we gonna do some psychoanalysis right now? Oh <laughs> well, there's.
1: Yeah, actually, <laughs> <Let's do it. laughs> okay. No, but um, I mean it's 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 a fairly standard thing. It's not anything odd or off the wall. But um, mm-hmm. okay, Superman the movie.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Superman the movie.
0: Christopher so Reeve, Superman. Christopher Reeve. Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: so um. That was. Uh, How old were you around? Um, you know, when they showed it on television, I was four. Okay, um, so I think it was, was it seventy-seven. It came out or seventy-eight. Yes, it late. Sef- it's
0: one of those. It's. I know Is it's it late. Before 70s. Star Wars, yeah. Um, I thought it was after. We're going to be doing Is some fact Okay, okay,
1: we'll have yeah. to do that. Okay, I, yeah, I should have looked it up before I came here, but it's probably no. seventy-eight, maybe. But um, so it was about seventy nine when I saw it because um, I was four, mm-hmm. and uh, now the whole world knows how old I am. <laughs> That's okay. That's well, okay. Well, I just
0: I, I saw it in a theater, so now the world knows how, how old <laughs> <Okay>. I am.
1: <laughs> but um, I mean, I saw Star Wars in a the theater. I uh, was three. You know, that was probably that was my first movie. Uh, oh, Star Wars know. was yeah. But um and that was I mean that was a big deal too but you know I I have memories of that I think but I don't know if I just dreamt it or what but you know cuz I was so little but yeah. um my mom tells me of, of my uh, my time at Star Wars she said that I was standing up on the seat trying to fix the whole time
0: You were st- Oh that's yeah. so adorable. <laughs> yeah. I love it.
1: So um, I think
0: so many people yeah. of our generation mm-hmm. cuz I am older than you but not, I don't think by much if you're saying you're foreign. <laughs> no,
1: um yeah.
0: um I just had that experience of mm-hmm. uh, of being absolutely hypnotized by Star Wars
1: in the theaters mm-hmm. and it was
0: it was great. Yeah, cuz it, it was a wonderful it, feeling. It was
1: such a first time thing uh-huh. uh you know and we were small children and you know but uh the thing that i i, I really remember better though mm-hmm. um is superman the movie and right and so i didn't see it in the theater because I, I think i it was two or three when that came out but mm-hmm. i watched it abc showed it over two nights um, oh they split you know? it up into yeah.
0: two oh god i remember back then yeah
1: it was um it It was a Sunday night and a Monday night. 1978. I had to look at up. 78? Okay. All right. So you were... So, yeah. yeah, Okay. So uh, that was a good year, huh? (laughs) That was a great year. (laughs) But um, they split up over two nights. It was a Sunday night and a Monday night. And... I didn't know until later that because some of the scenes weren't in a the theatrical version because they padded it out uh-huh. in, in the miniseries, I guess, format there. Uh-huh. So when I would watch it as a, through just a standalone film later on, there was stuff. That I, 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 I thought I remembered uh-huh. him going through the tunnel and de- deflecting the bullets off his chest when he was getting to Lex Luthor's lair. But I, I think that was not in the theatrical version.
0: Interesting. But when they
1: released it on Blu-ray later, they put all that stuff in. You I never know?
0: caught that. Yeah,
1: it's, it's crazy. The, 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 the format of that, the, the, uh-huh. the structure of that movie just was fluid over the years, it seemed. But when I saw it, I was four. It was on TV. It was on ABC. It was two nights. And I remember seeing the ads for it. My parents were, you know, so I was a Superman fanatic. My parents were like, mm-hmm. you don't watch Superman, right, Daniel? You don't watch Superman on TV? And I was nervous. I was scared because I, I didn't know how they were going to treat him.
0: Interesting. You know? So you had already, you already mm-hmm. knew about Superman mm-hmm. and you were, were you reading comics at this time or were you, did you just play?
1: play you just was, like super friends and coloring books cartoons and, and I had a like, cape and right. toys. So I was well acclimated to Superman, right. but I had, it was but really. it's so interesting that yeah. like,
0: like I think I went to the movie knowing already that he was going to be a hero, but mm-hmm. you were kind of worried about what his journey was going to be.
1: Yeah. I didn't know how they were going to represent him. I was like, were they going to make him weak? Was yeah. I going to see him get hurt? You're already
0: thinking that way at four. <laughs> yeah.
1: Of course, you're a writer. <laughs> I was really worried about it. Um, uh-huh. And I, yeah, I was frankly, I was just, I was just, I was scared. I was nervous. Yeah. I, I was four, you know? Um, and then I remember that Sunday. So we're at church, and my uh, family friend, Mr. Westmoreland, I remember he comes up to me all excited. He goes, Daniel, you going to watch Superman tonight? Uh huh. And. He seems so excited about it, and this is an outsider's perspective on it. And suddenly, in, plus, plus, I'm four and I have no willpower. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, in my mind, a, 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 a switch flipped. And I said, yeah. And my parents like, look at each other like, what the heck's wrong with this kid? Is has willpower, you know. And like, I, th- I thought you didn't want it. And, and I was just, I don't know. It just, I just, you know, of course I couldn't explain it. You right, know, I, right. as as I look at it now as an adult, I, I reasoned out. It's like, oh, it suddenly just seemed like a good idea. Right, because right. it just, you know, I got convinced. But anyways, I watched it and it, um, you know, the movie, having watched it so early and a so formative time of me for me that um it, it had a lot to do with the person I became because became. I saw this nice. movie about this guy because he's a hero, and um you know he he walks this path of lo- he's he's a lonely mm-hmm. person you know because mm-hmm. he's always doing what's right and and you know as, as I mentioned you know we we went to church growing up, and it, that was a thing that we that I learned as a kid is like you've you got to do the right thing, you've got to be good to people, and it's not easy, and people aren't going to like you for it mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to persevere and do the right thing. And here it was in this movie, seeing this guy do this, do exactly that. Yeah, you know. And um, you know, when you think about it, also, I mean, he didn't go around punching people and knocking people out. You know, he rescued people mostly. I can't he wasn't think of
0: looking for a fight. I, yeah, you know? I can't
1: think of him fighting anybody yeah. in that movie. Really, um, you know, he would like rustle. He rustled up Lex and took him to yeah. jail, but you know, he didn't beat him up or anything. So yeah. he wasn't a violent guy. He was a hero. He put himself on the line. He walked this this lonely path, um, and he did what was right despite everything. And that uh, you know that taught me about you know the value of integrity. Mm-hmm. You know um, the value of justice, doing what's right. And uh, you know it reinforced everything I learned from my parents and right. uh, Sunday school and all that. You know, it's a great so, tale. You yeah, know?
0: I mean, I, you look back at it now, and and you you have a different connection to it than I do. Um, and sometimes you know it looks it, it, it's a bit cartoonish and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I remember, but I still love it. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say that. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember being absolutely memori- mesmerized when I was a child mm-hmm. watching watching that movie, being yeah. completely wrapped up into it. In fact. I Was super scared in the second one. Mm-hmm. Just, I one of my nightmares was, um, and you'll have to, I can't think of it. The um, what's what, what's the mirror thing they put Zod in?
1: Oh, um, the Phantom Zone,
0: the Phantom Zone that freaked me out. Oh, and you, that special you had effect, nightmares you
1: looked, about that going in a, there
0: about that special mm. effect. It was so scary, it's hell
1: basically, yeah. When you know? it when
0: it was spinning in space and you yeah. just saw them screaming and hence my name on my podcast, Neil. Yeah, well, absolutely. So, of course. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I really like that one. I, I, I love that. Did you actually get more into comics af- at, after you saw Superman or was, were you already on that path?
1: Um, you know, I, 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 I got the superheroes mainly through, uh, Yeah, I mean, through TV and films and uh, through the toys. And Mm. um, I didn't become like a hardcore comics reader. Uh, When I became a preteen... Um, you know, when I got to be about like nine, ten, or whatever yeah. like that, I got really into military heroes and GI Joe and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and so I really got into the Marvel GI Joe series, and I read the Transformers stuff, so the Hasbro, uh-huh. um, all that stuff. Um, I was re- that's how I really that's when I really got into comics and. Um, I I I didn't regularly pick up the superhero books just because I I had my own way of relating to the superheroes through the other media. Of so, course, that, that, so was that, that was wonderful kind of thing strange, about but, them yeah. is that
0: there is a lot of media. Now I want to say yeah. full disclosure mm-hmm. that uh, Dan and I met in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, man. for my listeners. Yeah, this is so bizarre that we're actually in the century, man. I, <laughs> Aging. I'm aging us again. Um, <laughs> it's okay. We were both hustling in Orlando. And I, when, mm. I, when I met you, it was at we were actors at Universal Studios. Yes. And um, gosh, I was so long ago. Uh, um. Are you by are you from Florida?
1: Yeah, uh, I, we I grew up we worked in together, Florida. but we
0: weren't yeah. super close or anything yeah. like that. We were just yeah. acquaintances at that at yeah. that time. So you did. Where in Florida are you from?
1: Um, from Orlando, right there. Oh yeah, yeah. I
0: grew up um mm. in the Cocoa area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah. moved to Orlando with school in Gainesville, and then. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, to I, was, I was in Orlando the whole time. The whole time. Uh, yeah. Until
1: we moved to California.
0: What got you into uh, acting?
1: Um. Uh. Wow. It's uh. You know, I had. Uh, Done it since I I I, I did my first like play in high school, Uh you know. Um, I had just always been into music. I mean, Mm -hmm. like as a little kid, I I was in band. I played saxophone. I took piano lessons and all that sort of thing. And um, my parents really encouraged me to 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 be involved in the arts. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I played sports like all the regular normal kids too, but uh, I was really into the arts. And um, gosh, I can't remember. You know I just I got involved in a theater program at my school and in high school and it's like they, they had just just started it up and they made an announcement anybody that wants to be involved in a theater program you know have, have there's a meeting at lunch and that just seemed natural to me to do that to do because that, it's like oh right? well, I love music, I love performing uh-huh. I should be in a play. Uh-huh um you know so that that's how i guess that so one it started, thing what kind you know, of led to it just it was just opportunities yeah that that's it was opportunities i love
0: that i love that you know being in one place at one time can lead to yeah. choices in your life because mm-hmm. being in that creative life as an actor um obviously had an influence on on, mm-hmm. on your path mm-hmm. and everything absolutely so i moved out here in 2002 when did you move out here
1: uh, uh, gosh, it was uh, 2003. Okay, because yeah. I
0: don't know if you remember this, but I remember mm-hmm. I was working. Do you remember running into me?
1: Yeah, in Santa Monica. Yeah, okay. yeah at the coffee shop. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I was, I just remember we, uh, we meet again. Yeah. We hadn't seen each other in years and yeah. years. And so still hustling. I just remember clearly, like, I was so sweaty. It was in like this non air conditioned cafe and just turning around and seeing.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Dan, who I knew in Florida, and just having that, like, it was probably just a second, but it seemed like a lot of seconds. You like You were out
1: of time for a moment yeah, there. Are you yeah.
0: really here? Yeah. What's going on? And we were both, uh, yeah, we we're just... Mm-hmm. Working to pay our rent, and, mm-hmm. which we still are. But, yes. But it was, <laughs> We're doing better now. But though. that was fascinating. And mm-hmm. then I don't... When was the next time we ran into each other? I think it was like at a con or something, wasn't it? Yeah. I
1: mean, we, we started meeting up at cons. And yeah. there was a time... The first time I, I, I saw the two of you guys, you, you, you and Brian together, was... Um, I was working recruiting for uh, test screenings.
0: Yes, on a, the promenade. Uh, yeah, on the I promenade. Do it that. was during
1: like the the farmers market mm-hmm. in Santa Monica. Yeah. and that was the first time I saw um, Brian, and that was the first time I saw the yeah. two guys. And that was probably f- two thousand four yeah. five.
0: Because you like used that. to work directly with Brian, my husband, mm-hmm. as an actor at Universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, wow, time. Yeah. Time flies. So. Then I run into you at cons and everything, and, 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 and you're a writer, which I think you mm-hmm. probably always were. I just didn't know mm-hmm. that about you. Um, when did your focus? So you come out here to Los Angeles. When did you really realize that your focus was going to be on writing?
1: Uh, it was uh, when I decided to start creating comics. Mm-hmm. It just took up all my time, and I, I really got into the idea of. Was that a creation slow burn and, or was
0: it like a flash of lightning? This is what I'm going to do.
1: It was a bit of a. It was a bit of a slow burn, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't years. It yeah. was maybe a year. <laughs> you know, right, right. I never really made a conscious decision. I'm not going to act anymore. It yeah. was just the other thing took over. Uh, right. I would still like to get back to <laughs> acting at some point. I just uh, haven't right. had the time. Right. Um, I fully really on that one. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but yeah, it was it was when I got into creating the comics that just I got into this idea of uh, I really wanted to create my own intellectual property and. Mm-hmm kind of control it and kind of, you know, I like this idea of having my own fiefdom of, of properties, like you know, that. and I I've, like
0: that.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, I spent the last several years and I, I, I do have a little stable of properties of my own. You and do. Some mm-hmm. of them have made it into the public sphere and, and pub, uh, published as books. And so mm-hmm. I'm very happy about that. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Um, was the first one that you worked on as far as getting out into the public, was that profit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um and I call it these my company's called Danger Cat. Yes. So these to these days I call it Danger Cat's profit. Uh-huh. So it doesn't get confused with the the other one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. got it. But okay. um uh, just so I don't get in trouble with anybody who has me no, talk here. no, no.
0: Totally but not. um
1: but um yeah, so uh but I I met Anthony uh Anthony D'Ecchidue is the artist that I worked with on that
0: I was so waiting for you to pronounce his name oh that's yeah that's why I didn't bring yeah. it up because yeah, I, was like, it's I okay. don't know how to pronounce it last name well you can just call him Anthony from here <laughs> yeah. on out I'll, I'll handle the last name duties <laughs>
1: for you perfect but uh he, he's he's Italian his name translates into Ten Two 2 D'Ecchidue huh. um he and his wife got now, married now October never 2nd
0: forget how to <laughs> yeah. oh I love
1: that yeah, so how clever. yeah Ten yeah. Two. but um I met him through a neighbor. I had, my neighbor Mario is a wonderful artist. He's mm-hmm. a he's a fine artist, painter, and he's, he didn't he didn't do comics or storyboards or anything like that. But I was asking him, I, you know, I wanted to meet somebody, uh, he, so he introduced me to Anthony. They they worked at Universal here. Oh wow! They were caricature artists. Oh wow! And so uh, he cool. introduced me to um, to Anthony, and we actually I, we created. He did some uh, panels for me. I created an animatic for a script that I was pitching at the time, and then after that. We rolled into uh, doing the Profit Project together, and I, I formed my company Danger Cat, um, basically just as a clearinghouse for all my creative projects. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh, which if, if you
0: guys want to b- check out, that's D A N G E R K A T T.
1: Yeah, com. all one word. Yeah, yeah one word. Yeah. dot yeah. com all one word DangerCat.com. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I created the um, the company basically to just house my projects, whatever the form they're going to take. So primarily I do comics, you know, but I, also, I write my own spec screenplays and, yeah. uh, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't, I haven't worked in a theater for a while, but I was writing plays and we were doing small workshop productions of plays. I was doing that in Florida uh-huh. when I knew you guys. And we did a little bit of that here too. Um, that's another thing I'd like to get back to some yes. some work in the theater, man. Yes. But, um, but, I feel the uh, same way, by the way. Yeah, you know, I
0: got. I'm so consumed with running Geek Girl Authority mm-hmm. and and doing the. I can't imagine the amount of work yeah, you have to do. Daily. But I, I, like you yeah. said, I do. I miss being on stage. I miss writing for the stage. It's, yeah. it, it's a passion. I think that I'm sure you feel this way. That you will return to mm-hmm. one day and do it again. It, it doesn't yeah. go away. Yeah, it's know. a
1: very singular and special thing. Yeah. Why? On the
0: stage. Why a uh, danger cat?
1: What's, um, what's? I'm a cat lover. Uh-huh. Um, we, uh, we have two cats right now. We had, uh, uh, we had two when I started the the company and then mm-hmm. we picked up a third one and then we had one pass away uh, last year. But, uh, anyways, at some point for a handful of years, we had three cats in our small apartment, you know, so uh-huh. we just, uh, and we still feel inundated with cats, you know, but, um, we <laughs> but love cats. Awesome. I yeah. Think I
0: love cats Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. We love cats. And I'm like. Uh, I love cats. I wanna I want to come up with a cool cat-related name, and I just mm-hmm. came up with Danger Cat. I love it. It's very you.
0: catchy. It's very memorable to You can really thank remember you. it. And I love your logo. Yeah, that as, was that was bro- well.
1: that was uh, that was uh, uh, Brenda. Brenda's my wife. Brenda. Uh, um, Brenda's idea. I was I was coming up with ideas for a logo, and she's like, "Why not do a biohazard symbol yeah. with a cat's head in the middle yeah. of it?" And it was that easy, and I asked Anthony to do that um, for me, and uh, he did it in a couple of days, and it just was really simple and mm-hmm. elegant and very and very beautiful and very cool looking the mm-hmm. logo he came up with, so I was very happy that that came together.
0: I love uh, these little things about life, though, that, um, like you said, your neighbor, Mario, introduced mm-hmm. you to Anthony. Yeah, and here it is all this time later, and hes you guys have been working together yeah all this time it's crazy that's i I love that and it's just because of some chance meeting or i know know, it's
1: and there's another guy um alex aquino Mm -hmm. i I always like to plug him because he uh helped me out when uh he's a businessman now he owns uh, um uh, a chain of clothing stores called barnabas clothing and um and uh he's got a couple locations here in southern california I'd recommend go checking out. Barnabas Clothing. I'll give him a good plug there. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, Alex is a mm-hmm. ace businessman, and I, I, I had lunch with him one afternoon. And he just gave me the really the basics on registering with the city, getting a tax ID number, just ran all that down with me, and it just changed my life. All that yeah. basic, inf- small, yeah. basic information. Um, I was able to start my company, and then through Mario met Anthony, and you know, um, I. I had a lunch meeting with uh, Jim Kruger um, once, and Jim um, is a is a great comic writer, Eisner winning writer, and he did, uh, um, you know, uh, he did the, the amazing uh, the books for uh, for Image in DC, like he did uh, uh, Justice with Alex Ross for uh-huh. DC. Um, he's done a lot of wonderful work. You know, I, I when I was first putting together uh, Prophet with Anthony. I had a lunch with Jim and he just ran down some very basic stuff with me on how to get started doing a comic. And that changed my life too, you yeah. know. That's um, a wonderful thing, you know,
0: because LA, yeah. L.A., as you know, as anybody who lives here, know, it can be a hard city. And I think it's it can be very frightening for people. But the thing, the truth is, is there are really good people here mm-hmm. and like the people that that you meet and that you choose to surround yourself with mm-hmm. it, it, it's 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 amazing the symbiotic relationship that you can have with them and how everybody can help each other mm-hmm. out you know me and my creative friends we will drop anything to help someone out or give advice you know like mm-hmm. you know uh one of my friends you know Jenna Bush mm-hmm. who, oh, absolutely. who uh, runs Legion of Leia. we met mm-hmm. we both started our websites on you know, May the 4th be with you, 2014. Mm -hmm. And we never stopped like helping each other, even though we have two nerd sites that are up and running. We are Mm -hmm. constantly texting each other, calling each other, helping each other out. There's no competition, you know. Yeah, that's great. You know, and that's how, I think that's how, I think that's that's actually the secret to success is not harboring any kind of like, oh my God, I got to get up before anybody else.
1: Right. I mean, I remember uh, hearing uh, David Crosby uh, telling a story uh, once about how, that, that crew of people, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and then there was Neil Young, and mm-hmm. then there was um, I think Carole King, and the, all, all those musicians were all working at the same time. They went and played on everybody's albums, and they never were compensated.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like,
1: all the time, we would go into studio, and play on their album they'd come yeah. play on our album and we there was never any compensation and look you know? at look at yeah. their careers <laughs> and look at they empire of music you yeah, know so that's fantastic yeah all
0: right i want to um i want to talk about some of your books okay so <laughs> um i'm getting excited because i really like moriarty oh thanks and um that now we all know professor james moriarty from um come on from star trek the next generation yeah exactly right <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I first put when I first started putting out the title, that's where everybody knew him from. It was hilarious. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh,
0: did, did you? Do you mean that you met some people that didn't know that he was from Sherlock Holmes? I met a
1: lot of people. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right.
0: But if you watch Star Trek, then you would know he's from, right? Well, maybe For, they forgot. A lot, yeah, a lot of people they, they, didn't put it together. They, they just, forgot. Yeah. So he is from Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. Absolutely. And he's only mentioned in a few, right? Yeah, a handful oh. of stories. Yes, but yeah. he is. You know, the conniving, super smart, maybe smarter than Sherlock Holmes, Mm -hmm. responsible for killing Sherlock Holmes before Mm -hmm. he was brought back.
1: (laughs) Before he came back to life. And
0: and everything. And so you've taken this villain, this incredibly smart villain, and made him a main character Mm -hmm. of a series. So tell me about how that came about.
1: Well, um, so Anthony and I had put together the Danger Cats um, profit book. And um, that was a couple of years, about three years of hard work, Mm -hmm. I think, probably. Um, that was finally out in trade paperback, and um, it was before it hit right before the digital thing came about. So mm-hmm. but it took a few years later to get on Comixology, but now right, it's right. officially available everywhere.
0: Profit is on uh, Comixology? Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay. Just look it up under D for Danger Cats. Profit.
0: Danger but, Cats. Profit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but um, anyway, so we had finished that, and I was trying to figure out what to do next, and the idea had just came, just came to me uh, one day. Um, you know, I always think of. Um, Jack Nicholson as the Joker in the 1989 yeah. Batman is like I was in the bath one day and I realized why I was destined for greatness because I came up with the idea in the shower I was actually in the shower just letting my mind wander through creative like possibilities what should I do next nice. and it just suddenly really came to me nobody's done a Moriarty comic book that I know of
0: and you are a fan of mm-hmm. Doyle's books you've yeah, already a, been a fan a,
1: since a child you know the the the, the Basil Rathbone films got right. me into it because they would show those like on the local ABC affiliate on mm-hmm. Sunday afternoons. And, uh, I would always watch those on the afternoon after church. And, uh, I was just fascinated right. by this character. And then, uh, I remember my, my mom went to like a library sale and brought me home a little hardback book that collected some of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes stories. And I started reading and I eventually got this tome that mm-hmm. collected everything. And I would take that mm-hmm. with me and read it. Um, so I was a fan of the stories and, um, Somehow my mind wrapped into uh, – just started thinking about the Sherlock Holmes world, and yeah, basically it just came to me, Professor Moriarty. I, I don't know that I've seen him as a lead character in anything. Right. It had been done in some novels, but it had never been done in a film, and it had never been done in a comic book as far as right. him being the title character, right. being the leading man. I'm thinking in 100 years of Sherlock Holmes adaptations – why well, there's never been a Professor Moriarty comic book.
0: Yet, if somebody was to say who are the top five villains in literature, Moriarty would be the person right. that that comes you know, up. It's
1: like, why hasn't yeah. this been done? So,
0: so <laughs> in, in your Moriarty, it's been 20 years since Holmes died. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's changed his name, his life, and he's kind of like, um, well, like a lord of the criminal mm-hmm. underworld. Uh, he finds out that Mycroft Holmes is missing mm-hmm. and... You know, there starts the tale of suspense. And I love mm-hmm. there's like a supernatural element into mm-hmm. it. And it's very, very layered and complex. How long? Yes. So for your process, I mean, how long did you work on that story before you talked to Anthony or before you talked to anybody else?
1: I, you know, I actually first started talking it up to Anthony right about when I was first outlining it. You when know, you're
0: out right after your shower.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I got out <laughs> of the shower. <laughs> I actually, I got right out of the shower. I went right to my computer and I wrote uh, oh, like a really? five a five line Smart. paragraph. Yes, and um, yeah, this is my that was my statement thesis of Professor Moriarty and uh, the basic premise completely went out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the idea of but doing that's that that's how
0: you started. I yeah. mean, that's the great thing about writing is you got yeah. to be willing to throw stuff away. And I
1: threw a lot away yeah. when I was developing that. And I actually, I actually spent two years working on the script for that first story wow. because it was so hard um and it overlapped with profit so i guess we were still i guess we were still kind of wrapping up profit mm-hmm. and i was talking it up to anthony but then um i was working on the script um yeah it's it's kind of hazy how it all kind of overlapped but i i spent 2 years writing that first story cuz it was it it was very difficult um uh-huh. to come up with just the rules of the world uh what right. i wanted to do with him right all this you know there it was World War One. there was espionage. I mean, there's a ninja in it, yes. which is actually one of uh, the very first thing. That was probably the first idea. After I came up with Professor Moriarty as a leading man in a comic book, I thought, ninja. oh, the leading lady's going to be a ninja. <laughs>
0: of course. Why He's going to have a
1: Japanese yeah. woman who's a ninja warrior that mm-hmm. he works with mm-hmm. because – Sherlock Holmes, oh, ninjas, Yes, you well, think that. Of
0: course, they go you hand know? in hand. <laughs> you
1: know, I mean, there was a lot of that shower steam was in my head at right. that point. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know why well, that was... It gave
0: you some great ideas. It
1: sure did. Uh, I, I I don't know why I, that, that, but that was absolutely the first idea I had was to have her in there. So mm-hmm. it came up with this character named Jade, the Jade Serpent. But, you know, I was like, there's Moriarty, there's a missing uh, Mycroft Holmes, there's... Um, British security services. There's a oh yeah, ninja. and
0: Rods in there too. Yeah, and,
1: and, and yeah, the, and trying to bring in characters from the from the original canon, bringing in people from history, fun. people from other books. That was really a Fagin fun. character. Yeah, in the book, I, when you, when I
0: got to the Fagin character, I was like, oh, that's so clever. And yeah. and now that's a, a a feat in itself. Um, What was it? I mean, I would assume putting together as hard as it is putting together that puzzle must have been very fun because you know mm-hmm. you have. Um, you know the assassination of mm-hmm. of of, of Ferdinand. Fernand, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and so you have that World War One, like you just talked mm-hmm. about that history history element. And so you had to definitely fact check and make sure you had your lots history, of history right. involved. And then yes. you have, uh, like you said, um, characters from the canon, lots of and, literature and, involved, and, and you have to put all, weave all that together. And- yeah. Were there times where you were just like, "Oh, this is so fun, or was were were you always pulling your hair out? I was
1: pulling my hair out a lot, yeah. you know I mean, um after about the first six months i I, I trashed most of my ideas and started wow. from scratch, which it's not something I've ever done since mm-hmm. or before, mm-hmm. but i just i did I had a sense of mission in putting this together because I right. just felt very important right um you know, so um, because yeah, like originally the idea had to do with him getting with Moriarty himself, getting involved with the black hand and going to um, Serbia and getting involved with the assassination of. Oh, really Interesting. Ferdinand. But then that was just, that was too clever. It just seemed like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm yeah. going to do this. When you're writing a story, you yeah. get into a lot of trouble when you just come up with lots of great ideas mm-hmm. and try to make it happen. And that was not happening for the character because I was putting him in too many places where he was making himself way too obviously vulnerable and I'm like, I can't. Were you, you to, focusing
0: you know, on being that that kind of, but yeah. without focusing on building, without
1: from focusing on the character, yeah. you know? And I, I you know, I, uh, and that's another thing writers are guilty of all the time is we throw out all the the principles and the, and the craft. In, in, uh, in favor of clever ideas mm-hmm. and clever premises. You yes, know? and
0: they become very, sometimes a little too precious.
1: They become too precious. Yes. That's absolutely right. right. Um, so um, One of the hardest things, things
0: I, I don't, I'm the, um, a prolific writer like you, but I do do some writing. And one thing I've done is sometimes I'll write, I know a monologue that's not even going to be in the play I'm writing mm-hmm. or something, just so I can get to know the yeah, character absolutely. a little bit. And that's... When I first started doing that, it was a hard sacrifice for me because it was kind of like a time mm-hmm. sacrifice because I just wanted to get everything. I wanted to finish the story, get everything mm-hmm. done. It was like, no, Audrey, you've got to put the work into the world and you've got to mm-hmm. put the work into the mm-hmm. to the people. And you obviously put a lot of work into Moriarty. Nice. Do, do you think he's, is he in your story an anti-hero?
1: Absolutely, Yeah. yeah? because um, you know, he's a complex guy he 's never thought of himself as being evil and mm-hmm. he's not really a villain you know he's just he's a really damaged individual but so much so that he doesn't even know it right you know um i and i definitely i don't i don't portray him or think of him as being like a sociopath
0: no. a, a non feeling right. person right
1: um I, I you know I actually had a conversation with an analyst once it was at a friend's birthday party, and uh, there's a lady there who was a um who's a psychologist uh, and therapist. And so I, I treasured this opportunity to be able to talk to that. To, uh, like, I, I need to talk to you about somebody I know, maybe yeah. professor Moriarty. Uh-huh. And um, she's like, it sounds like he's obsessive compulsive. I'm like, well, that, that's, that's it. He is obsessive compulsive of, of his viewpoint of, of, of the world of his fixation on homes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, But he's just a guy and he's had, he had some really, he had a really bad childhood. He, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to divulge too much of that because I hope to get to it in, in further in future right, editions. Right. But um, he's just got a damaged perspective of the world, and what mm-hmm. he wants to do is put the world back together again in the way that he sees fit.
0: That he sees it should yeah. be,
1: and it's not with an intent to harm people. Uh-huh. But it's just to make things right the way he wants it to be right. Uh-huh. And so that way, he'll end up helping people. Uh, you know, he'll end up rescuing people or helping people because it serves his agenda, uh-huh. you know, so he'll do well, good things. He's not like yeah. he's good, but he's not actually not that bad either, but it's just so complicated.
0: It is, and I think it's very it's very complex. It's challenging to the reader in in, in a very good way. I mean, but you set that up nicely because in the beginning of the book, you talk about his three rules, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, the always be victorious and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So you can see where some of his his – actions are very self-serving he's he's yeah. got an arrogance about him mm-hmm. but at the same time he's so driven which mm-hmm. i think i can see with the obsessive compulsive behavior i mean yeah. he was so driven to find mm-hmm. out what happened to mycroft and yeah and everything and it's he gets himself like, you don't, in trouble exactly. you don't know if he's yeah. doing it um as a sense of doing something that's right he just needs yeah he, he needs to find out he needs to know Yeah, and at the
1: end of the day he's not really sure he's he's, he's really kind of empty yeah. inside and he doesn't really know Exactly yeah. what he what he's going for. He's, yeah. he's trying to he's trying to to figure out what he wants. Yeah. You know, he just knows he wants something.
0: Exactly what a fun character for you to tackle. What a what a yeah. stroke of brilliance you had in the shower.
1: Oh, thank you. Shower that day. It's interesting though, you like you mentioned like that how he outlines his three rules of Hollywood's yeah. life. That yeah. was my monologue that I wrote for him to oh. get to know the character. Once well, I started straightening go. out the world, so Stand you know um, that was. And so, then you yeah. end up
0: starting like it's already the assassinations already happened when when the book starts, So that's interesting. You threw out all that work, but you still had built the world in your head Mm -hmm. a little bit. So you were still, so it wasn't lost.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about another main character of yours, a Cal Talmadge from Red City, which is uh, that graphic novel is so fascinating to me um, because it's like Mars Noir. I mean, those those are two of my favorite things. Something that happens on another planet. Yeah. And it's noir. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I, um, you know, it was another project. I, I worked on that with Anthony. I also met mm-hmm. uh, Chris Finolio, um, who I'm working on Bloodworth uh, with now. Uh-huh. Um, and that was uh, I got Chris onto that book too. And um, you know, I had this idea to do uh, Philip Marlowe on Mars or LA Confidential on Mars, mm-hmm. you know, something that's like
0: that. That's
1: a great way to put it, yeah. I was uh, I had a chance to visit uh, Image's office um mm-hmm. up in um up in Oakland there, up in Berkeley rather um and I was talking to Eric Stevenson and I said and he said he said you know you, you should do a you know another four issue mini um you know and, and I said Well I had an idea to do um Philip Marlowe on Mars and he said that's cool and that was basically my green light. So, like Red From City, Image? Was, yeah, yeah. So that Red City was going to happen. Now it took mm-hmm. about another two years for it to right, hit the shelves because right. there was a lot of hard work that happened. Of course, but um, you know, yeah, it was a um, long, painful process getting 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 everything together uh, to finally get the book released. But um, it finally happened. You know, I wrote the script for that in about six months. You know, I had to. Um, I had everything completely outlined. I had the first issue written when I pitched it to Eric. Uh And then, um, when he said, he said, okay, then, you know, I was able to go back and finish the other issues and then assemble the team and all that. It took, like I said, it took a long time, but we hit the shelves and, um, yeah, it was LA confidential on Mars. You know, we, uh, I I had this idea to kind of create something that would be a little bit like the Federation, I guess you could, you could uh, compare it to where, the entire solar system, um, as we know it, um, has always been populated by life forms. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a Ray Bradbury science fiction yeah. reality, where there's different alien races on every planet, and we've just always kind of known that and accept right. that. But we're in the and we're in the distant future, and everybody, um, all the planets, and Pluto is a planet again. <laughs> um, I made sure to uh, make a statement of that. I think that's on page four. So
0: Neil deGrasse Tyson isn't in the picture anymore. And, right? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like 500 years after him.
1: So um so we're we're like way in the future and um yeah, so all of the solar system is is operating as like one country or trying to, and they call it right. the NSS, the New Solar System, and that's kind of the name of this country and each planet is its own like city state right, you know. Got it. And they've recently come out of this war where a couple of planets have uh tried to secede, so it's like a big civil war has just happened. And, um, you know, some of the, some of the governments on some, on some of these planets aren't so friendly. You know, there's, there, um, you know, there's oppressive governments on some. Some are more democratic and get along a little better, you know. But then we have our hero, Cal, who, who's a human man of Earth origin, but he's never even been to Earth. Right. And he grew up in, on the streets in Mars. And he grew up in street gangs. So I, I just wanted to really come up with this guy who's just so disenfranchised. Because uh-huh. he, he's he's he, he's completely separate from his race. He's completely separate from his planet. That he's, he's you know w- his would, origins. Yeah, is, is you know his he's just out of time, completely out of place. And uh, you know, I I just informing him. It was just all these old Paul Newman movies mm-hmm. that I, I've always loved. Like he's he's Cool Hand Luke. He's he's Lou Harper. He's all these like very fringe guys mm-hmm. that I, I always loved watching Paul Newman play. You know, yeah. he's he's kind of rootless, baseless guy, but doing his best to find meaning in life. And, you know, kind of like, you know, Professor Moriarty in that way, Mm -hmm. you know, only Cal's much more kind of every man, you know. So Cal uh, is a guy who he, he he grew up in street gangs. He kind of got himself together. He joined the police force, becomes a homicide detective. Then this war breaks out and he ends up being like in the colonial Marines kind of, uh, you know, force and, he has like a really bad experience um, mm-hmm. that we flash back to during the story. That was a formative experience to him as a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, the war's over now. He's kind of he's in the NSS security, um, which is basically kind of like their their equivalent of like the FBI. Or it's like the military and the and the police are kind of melded in this society. So he's kind of got military it. police, kind of a federal investigator. And he's in trouble. He's in the brig in the beginning because he's kind of got his black markets. Uh, you know, he's, he's selling video games. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and he gets pulled out of the brig and they're like, okay, you got a lot of experience on the streets in Mars, uh, Mars central city, the red city. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, you know, the police force there and all this, there's some secret talks going down there. Um, you know, uh, between, uh, a couple of the planet's ambassadors and one of the, one of the, uh, the Mercur- Mercur- Mercury's ambassadors daughter has gone missing. We need you to find her before everything goes sour. And then it turns out he's being set up to take a fall for something. And, uh, he's having, yeah. The girl doesn't turn up anywhere she's supposed to be, and it just blows up into this thing where he's got to find this girl he's got to straighten out this situation or there's going to be genocide that happens mm-hmm. on Neptune yeah. you know these political dissidents that he comes to know, and so it's just ends up being huge and can can this can this guy with his scarred past handle it right you right. know so so you
0: you you really enjoy putting together those uh mysteries Mm -hmm. don't you yeah is that something like you found yourself doing in your playwriting as well and and all that
1: well um yeah you know mystery writing kind of i mean that really came to me when i started getting into comics really you Mm -hmm. know um like when i wrote the plays i was writing kind of like dramedies you know kind Uh of very character-driven pieces um but uh yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I, you know, Star Trek. Watching Star Trek as a kid had a lot to yeah. do with it. Also, I was a huge Magnum PI fan. Oh my
0: gosh, I was too. <laughs> oh, I love Magnum PI.
1: Yeah, so Magnum and and Star Trek were very yeah. very important to me. And like Star Trek always involves a mystery. Yeah, there's always a big there's you know a big fantastic reveal yeah. at the end.
0: Yeah,
1: um, you know, and then like Magnum was you know, I go back and look at those shows now and they hold up really w- in a way. The stories are really well-crafted. Yeah. like a, um. And oh my gosh. The name is. Uh. Is is the names are uh, flying out of my head. But the, the Florida novelist. Um.
0: Uh, John
1: D. Um. Uh, the
0: Travis McGee one. Yeah. The Travis McGee. Oh god. I can't remember. Um, long, but I, I remember. Why, the,
1: why can I not remember this? But uh, I'm gonna have to fact check this. Um, but
0: Brian right now is on a, a, a Travis McGee run. Oh. Okay. He, he can't stop. I he love. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah, his books. And yeah. they're they're really great. And there's some wonderful things definitely about Florida.
1: Yeah, and, you know, each of those Magnum episodes were, um, were like a Travis McGee story. Mm. And um, it's Chunty McDonald. <laughs> I shouldn't <know> that, <laughs> like, too. Yeah. The names are all flying out of my head. But, you know, so, you know, that's how I kind of got into those type of stories. Yeah. And plus, I watched all the old Humphrey uh, Bogart movies yeah. and all that when I yeah. was a kid. So, like, noir and mystery yeah. and all that was, you know, again, for me, it all ends up being about, human experience and it's all kind of a spiritual journey like Superman and my discovery of ethics and how to live life and how to have dignity with Noir it's kind of like it's a spiritual struggle because, mm-hmm. like, you had these people. Everybody was coming home after a terrible war. They're getting dumped onto these dark streets. People are trying to kill them, and they don't know why. Their brother's missing. They don't mm-hmm. know where he is. and They're trying mm-hmm. to find him, and they don't know why everybody's after him. And they don't know why everybody thinks that they're somebody else and why they're trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all these like huge forces, right? Bigger than that. Bigger than you. Forces coming after you is, is a noir story, and you have to reason and figure your way figure your way through it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a huge kind of spiritual struggle for me. Noir. Yeah. And so so that's why it's so well done. I gravitate towards that. Put it on Mars is
0: just so, so fun. But like, um, you were saying that you're right. You can take noir and then you can take Star Trek and and all that. It just comes down to goods. When you break down, when you do actually take them to me, Noir out of it or the science fiction out of it and everything, it comes down to good storytelling Mm -hmm. and which can start with, you know, you can say almost all television shows now or movies now you can relate to a Shakespeare Mm -hmm. story, you know, or to some Greek
1: play Mm -hmm.
0: or anything. And now we just get to have fun Mm -hmm. with them and put them in different situations and, and and every once in a while, you know, you get to create something really new. Yeah, everything.
1: I mean, like young writers like always ask, will ask me, how do I come up with stories? And I always tell them, stories are out there. They're like in the air. You, you just got to just got exactly. grab them. You know, yeah. and I th- I always think of this scene from uh, A Crate Neo Noir, Heat, which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. It's a
0: great movie. When uh,
1: De Niro goes to, to visit Tom Noonan to get uh, information on this bank job. Uh-huh. And he has all these specs and all these blueprints. He's like, how do you get this stuff? And he's like... This stuff gets it gets beamed out everywhere. Gets, they shoot this stuff out all over the place. You just gotta know how to grab it. I know how to grab it, and I always think of that. I always think of Tom Noonan mm-hmm. sitting, you know, sitting on that up on that hill and uh, uh-huh. and in L A. there in downtown L A. In, in a wheelchair. Um, you know, with these blueprints, he's got all these radar dishes, and I think uh-huh. of him saying, "Yeah, I use these gigantic radar dishes to, to grab that's stuff. Got you gotta it. know how to grab it, you know." And that's that's got, that's kind of like what writing is. There's yeah. there are. There are just forces of how you tell a story. You know, it started with the Greeks and it went up to Shakespeare, like you say, and then, you know, the great pulp writers of the 20th century, you know, the great playwrights. There are ways to tell stories. you got to figure out how to do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know... I like yeah. that
0: analogy, though, of them all being out there and you just have to grab it. I yeah. think that's, that's true. I am um, going to, because as usual, I, I'm so fascinated with my guests that I can talk forever, but I want to make sure. <laughs> oh, we got to fast we, forward a little bit. Yeah, we got to keep yeah, going here. Yeah, yeah we got to keep going. <laughs> I want to make sure we talk about Bloodworth. because oh, Bloodworth is a. Um, a um, you put it out digitally first, right? Mm-hmm. On mm-hmm. Comixology. Yeah. And now you're putting out um, I- issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've doing a kickstarter for it yeah right and this is the second kickstarter i've done i've read the first one -hmm. which was really really fun i can't wait to actually talk about it um which um but the kickstarter you're doing now is to fund the second issue
1: yeah is Mm -hmm. that what that's
0: about yep and once how long does it take for um is it different for every story i take it Mm
1: -hmm. right um, uh, for, for far- one
0: issue to get out there between you coming yeah. up with a story talking with your artist and
1: right and everything
0: mm-hmm. how, how how long do you have to give yourself for just one
1: uh, well you know in, in this case it's like I'm putting this out myself and we're kickstarting it we're doing it one at a time so it's it's taking a lot of time you yeah. know now first of all like Floodworth is a thing like a concept that I had struggled with for about three years mm-hmm. you know I I would write pages and pages of stuff and then throw it away and um you know, I finally you know I had to hone the idea down to a, a very uh, what ends up being to me a, a much simpler version of what I was trying to do before. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so the story basically is it's the lead character is Special Agent Brenda Bloodworth, and it's the kind of the near future is that
0: named after your wife. It's named after my oh, wife. Oh, I love yeah. it. Okay, okay
1: so
0: Brenda Bloodworth.
1: Yeah, I love that. <laughs> She's great. I love. I love that. It's name, also
0: though. wonderfully alliterative. So yeah, I know. <laughs> in, right. In addition, it, it works. Know? It works.
1: It works wonderfully. But um. But uh, you know, it's in it's in the near future where uh, she's a, a leader of this FBI squad that can enter people's memories mm-hmm. to solve crimes. Right? You know,
0: thought acquisition.
1: Thought acquisition is the name of their of their um their their unit. Um, their nickname is the Ghost Squad. Right? You know, because they're they're scary. You mm-hmm. know, and they're completely unethical, of course. But um, yeah,
0: they are. They are legal.
1: <laughs> yeah, they yeah. are legal. They're yeah. completely unethical. They are legal, but it's okay because they're doing. They're using the technology for for good. For so good. that makes exactly. it okay. I love that. that uh, you know. Line so that, that's yeah. that's a problem. That's that is part of the that's part of the, the society they're living in. But um, yeah, you know, and I uh, so I wrote this. I wrote the whole story. I wrote all the script, and then I thought. I'm going to take – I had an opening sequence that kind of really exposed the world, the rules Mm. of the world, the rules of the technology, and kind of introduced all the characters. And so I wrote that as a short – an 11-page comic story. And then I went to Chris, who colored Red City for me, Chris Finolio. And I'm like, okay, I can fund this short story and we can do this. And um, then we'll see what we can do to get get the rest of the series going. Mm -hmm. And so um, he drew this – uh 11 page story did a beautiful cover for it and i put it together as a short uh right. com- and i put it up on comiXology for 99 cents it's Bloodworth issue zero right always knowing there would be more um but like that's that's the only thing that's really available commercially right now is, the, is zero issue I but see. then um you know i uh i spent the rest of and it and that came out early um let's see that was uh September of uh, 2015 that that finally came out at Comixology. Mm -hmm. We started it in February, I believe, February of 2015. We started it and then I spent the most of that year investigating how I was going to put it out, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I I decided finally to at least put that up on Comixology and then I'd settled on, okay, I'm going to kickstart the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So that came out on the Zero Issue came out September um, 2015, Comixology. And then it was by, it was March of this year, 2016, That we started the Kickstarter for the first full issue, right? So the first full issue includes that zero issue plus um, eighteen new pages, right? And that gets us through basically the first act of our story. Uh And so we successfully kickstarted that in March, and um, March through April, and then um, I was able to send out uh, the books very recently. Starting it was starting in August, I, I was able to start getting them out to the to the backers. Um, so like those, those, the only folks that have print copies now are, our Kickstarter backers. Right. And, um, and, uh, yeah, the, uh, the first issue, the first full issue is not available commercially yet. It's only right. available through Kickstarters. Right. Um, I was gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. So the people listening should, it done. should
0: mm-hmm. contribute to the Kickstarter. I, I, yeah. like I said, I read it, I read it really quickly. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. And I read in an interview that you did, um, that you called it, um, bones meets total recall, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. It's just the way, same way you, you explained Red City, mm-hmm. you know, with, with LA Confidential, the, the Mars and the Noir and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and I agree with that. And it's so interesting that you say it's unethical, yet mm-hmm. we're doing it for good, because I did feel that way. I was like, you know, it's, it's, it's very invasive, mm-hmm. you know, what they're doing there. They catch a criminal and they can get inside his brain and, and and see the memories that they see and you want the murder cases to be solved. So you're rooting for the ghost squad. Mm -hmm. Right. But at the same time, you're like, well, where does this, where does it being okay to access someone's mind begin Mm -hmm. and where does that end? And it's actually quite topical right now in 2016 with privacy and, Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Were you aware is that one of the things that inspired you is is how we god I can't think of a less gross term basically vomit our information mm-hmm. out right now to yeah. the world mm-hmm. and and then we get upset when the government wants access to it. Right. Yeah. You know? I mean
1: absolutely that happens that's that's a good way of uh, putting it. I mean that in 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 the in the world of Bloodworth it's society is people upload memories to be on public display in city uh, squares, which I know? love, I thought yeah. that
0: that mind palace thing, like, yeah. like you can you can put it up on a billboard for for mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was really neat. Yeah,
1: it's like Snapchat or something. Yeah, only it's actual everybody. memories yeah. coming out of your brain. Yeah, you know, and um, and uh, people have really given up so much privacy. But then you know you got criminals that are. That are that want to keep things pr- private, so they're not uploading those memories. So that's right. when they got the ghost squad's got it. has to go in and tap those memories, mm-hmm. but then it's like they can't just walk right into, um, you know, um, a, a memory and see everything. It's never that easy, mm-hmm. you know. They they don't really can never really see the guy actually committing the crime in the memory because the guy criminals have become more sophisticated and they know how to counter. Are they, know, they doing
0: how, this yeah. through mental exercises, like training their brain not to share the memory, or are they?
1: They're, um, you know, they're, they're masking like what they're doing in the real right. world mm-hmm. so that when they remember it, they're not, it doesn't it's look getting... like they're committing the crime. Uh-huh. It doesn't look like they're doing anything. Right. You know, so that's why like, uh, in the in opening story, there's a bank robbery and mm-hmm. Bloodworth knows one of the tellers was in on it. Mm-hmm. And so, um you know, she goes into his memory and has to look at everything in the room. And, yeah. and she has the, her rest of her team is, has like scanned and analyzed the whole room. Yeah. And they're comparing, they're comparing the position of objects from one hour to the next. and Yeah. You know, the whole which thing I, which, turns which, which, on. Yeah. yeah,
0: which is very, very um, well done. I won't give it away yeah. how they find out, you know, yeah, it's about all the town and everything. Though. But it's just yeah. like, I mean, that's how in, attuned to the details they have to be, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I, that that was really neat. Um, so, the, it, you know, Danger Cat's Prophet, Red City, Moriarty. This is the first one where you've had a female as a lead character with... Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know right away Bloodworth was going to be a woman? How was yeah. it compared to writing your your male characters?
1: Well, um, I mean, I had written female leads and other stuff that just mm-hmm. people hadn't seen. Right, <laughs> you Got know. It. I mm-hmm. wrote a like I wrote a novella uh, that's actually in my an bookstore, and uh-huh. I, like I wrote a screenplay for that, and I, that was like kind of that was my first shot at doing like kind of a mystery thriller. It was called Elizabeth Kelbride.
0: Uh-huh.
1: and. Um, it was kind of a Mr. Ripley esque type story, but right. with a female Mr. Ripley. Um, and uh, so I had I had done that before, but I had just I had gone through some years of writing you know, writing profit, writing Moriarty, and writing Cow. I'm like I want I want I want to write, wanna write a, a female lead again. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, it's just a, it was a nice episode uh, opportunity to step outside myself and right. and do something. And it's just it's a lot of fun because mm-hmm. it's just. Uh, it's like wearing a different costume I right. guess you know and yeah. uh you know I explain this to friends and they're, and they're like oh so you you want to so you're really a drag queen is that what you're saying <laughs> you know? I'm like no no it's just it's just uh it's just something different you know to 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 write um a female character mm-hmm. um but uh but then again it's like you know you find the commonalities but then you find, you know, you got to put what's what's different. You got to examine her experience. Anytime she's experiencing something, you got to look at it. Well, as a female, uh-huh. what what problems is she going to encounter here? What type of mm-hmm. bias is going to be against her in this situation? Do
0: you ever uh, search for, like, uh, advice, friends? Hey, say, hey, Brenda, will you look at this? Yeah, Read over it. And does yeah. she ever call you out? I don't think. Yeah. I, yeah. I talked.
1: I ask Brenda all the time. Right, She's my arbiter. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. So, um, but... Um, but yeah, you know, and it's, it's, it's good because it's anytime you got to step outside yourself like that, you create, you're, you're just, your mm-hmm. sense, your, your sense, your sense of self-awareness meter just keep, goes up and up right. and up, you right. know, um, you know, I, I, I discovered that in acting, you -hmm. know, self-awareness just skyrockets once you study in acting and once you're Mm -hmm. doing a lot of stage and stuff like that, your self-awareness really goes up. And and then when you start writing, writing different characters Mm -hmm. that creates even more self-awareness is you got to think about different people and what different people are going to experience Mm -hmm. different situations. And then, you know, and then, you know, now writing a female character, yeah, it really helps. You know, I think of Dustin Hoffman, mm-hmm. of course, uh, in Tootsie when he says, I, I've never been a better man than when I was a woman, you know?
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's and it's, one of the great lines ever. Yeah. So, um,
1: yeah. And it's just be- and it's because, you know, his sense of self-awareness just skyrocketed because he had to step into somebody else's shoes. Right. It just happened to be that it was a female's yeah. shoes, you know? Right. It could have been, you know, it could have been a, cl- a different class. It could have been something like that. But he happened to be in a female shoes, and mm-hmm. wow, the lessons he learned when he was in the female shoes. So, exactly. you know, as a writer, you know, I, you know, experiencing that. Now, I, I have several projects now with that people nobody's seen yet. But I have several projects now. Mm-hmm. Most new most new projects I come up with are female leads yeah. right now. Well,
0: that, that's great. And 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 Brenda B- Bloodbirth is is you know I love that she's strong. And so conflicted, which is, um, I think, kind of a theme with all your lead characters. There's a lot of strength in all of them and a lot of conflict. But I think as a writer, you you know, well, the base of every good writing and good storytelling is conflict and everything. But Mm -hmm. um, there is a sense of damage Mm -hmm. to them. And what do you think? Is it the human story that attracts you to Mm -hmm. writing about uh, damage?
1: Yeah, because, you know, um, you want to write exciting, fun detective stories, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. But you can't just see... We can't just see Brenda kicking a door. Brenda catch the bad guy. Brenda this, Mm -hmm. that. What's Brenda processing? What's she going through when she's doing this? You know, what's her inner story?
0: What has made her her up to this point? Yeah, and
1: this is something you learn acting, you know. It's like you look at the words on the page, but you have to come up with your story Mm -hmm. that's under the page. And Mm -hmm. so when you're writing the words on the page, you want to gift gift her that as much as you can.
0: I tell you, I I say this all the time, and I can always... I think I can always tell, like especially when I'm watching a movie or or a TV show, I'm like the guy who wrote this or the woman who wrote this was an actor. Like I can Mm -hmm. always tell that in my husband's work. My husband, uh, you know, but for Mm -hmm. those of you who don't, is is a television writer, um, and all his characters have such big character development. You Mm -hmm. know who they are right away, yeah, and that's exactly what what you're talking about mm-hmm. and i think something about training as an actor when you, mm-hmm. you you know what's important yeah so important to who that person is mm-hmm. it really really comes through right
1: right absolutely yeah.
0: you've 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 got that down you know it. you, <laughs> it's not your first rodeo you know what you're doing, um, but like i said i really enjoyed the first issue of bloodworth i can't wait okay. read to read, read the second let's tell everyone where we can find the kickstarter
1: all right. Well, um, so it's just it's it's called simply Bloodworth Issue t- number two. Mm-hmm. It's on Kickstarter right now. Um, or you can search for Bloodworth, you can search yeah. for Bloodworth Issue T, you can search for my name, Daniel Corey, C O R E Y. Yeah.
0: And it'll be up on the if you're listening on iTunes, you can go to Geek Girl Authority and uh, look up this episode of Neil Before Odd. I'll have all the information there too.
1: Yeah, yeah. and um it's uh we're we're just we're just gonna raise thirty five hundred dollars mm-hmm. um, you know, uh to 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 get the funds together and uh it's it's mostly paying the artists mm-hmm. is what I'm doing with money because that's one of the things in Kickstarter you got to tell everybody what you're using the money for. Yeah. I'm paying the artists and then the rest of it is to create yeah. uh, the, for the printing and to 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 mail everything. Right. You know. So it's very I'm going very bare bones on this mm-hmm. and uh, raising the, the the minimum amount I I I, I need to mm-hmm. to get this uh, issue done and we're doing one issue at a time because you know, smaller campaigns are, have a greater chance of being successful, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, we're on day two right now. Uh, as I walked in, into your place here, we were 51% funded. Great. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, and that's to encourage people to, to, um, you know, hey guys, you're, you're going to be on a winning team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and, go ahead and pledge, and don't wait. Don't, don't wait. say, "Oh, they're they're successful, they're, they're going to be fine. fine." No, keep no, going because that can only lead you. to more yeah. more
0: work and more output Yes. for for you to do because mm-hmm. this story definitely has 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 legs. Um, which brings me I want to talk to you real quick about a uh, new media. I think we've got some some time. You got yeah. a couple minutes. New media because, you know, your stuff is up on Comixology. Mm-hmm. is are these Issue number one is only available to the Kickstarter members, but in the future, mm-hmm. you said issue zero is on Comixology. Are you hoping to get all of Bloodworth on also, there? Moriarty's yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. Red City's on there.
1: Yeah, I mean everything's on yeah. there. Like uh, Danger Cat's profit is on there. Everything that you do through Image goes to Comixology. Yeah. So yeah. more all of Moriarty and all of Red City are on there.
0: Is that process a lot different? Is it very difficult to get it up? digitally or did image take care of that for you is it just an Mm -hmm. issue of scanning and then they have like some kind of algorithm that puts it together for you
1: well um it's not hard to get to get this stuff to comiXology now um now yeah image the image stuff they do take care of all that but like everything's digital um you Mm -hmm. know so you you give you don't give image pages. You, you give them a PDF right. on, their, on their FTP. Right. So then they submit all that to Comixology. Comixology goes through. They have people that go through and do the guided view uh, stuff. And they kind of encode I everything. Right. And they, they set all that up. And uh, so Image takes care of that when I do an image stuff, image book. But when I do my own stuff for Danger Cat, um, I, say, I just send it to them. And uh, you know, I send them the, the completed files. And they, then they set it up. You know, um, it might take two months or something like that. Right. You know, um, but they'll they'll get it up. Um, so yeah, all of all of Bloodworth will eventually be available there.
0: In in looking at how Moriarty or or Red City's been received as far as digital downloads and actual hard copy issues, do you see people going more towards digital now? Because comics is such an interesting thing to me, yeah. since. Um, there's the art that's involved. There, there's something tactile about reading a comic book. So mm-hmm. I'm curious how it's how it's going over to the digital. How it's going over?
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's just with um just like with the book market, it's like everything is finding a way to uh, coexist, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, a lot of people thought that the digital, like comicsology and all that, would destroy the direct market, and it has not. You know, but it's also a major force in in the universe yeah. now. Yeah. Comicsology and Amazon and digital comics are a thing. Yeah. So, uh they, they found a way to coexist. They, you know, they cannibalize each other. Obviously I'm not an expert on all the numbers, uh, huh. but, uh, but you know, um, I'm glad it's out there yeah. because it's, it's zero overhead for me. You know what I mean? Cause, right. uh, um, working at my level, even like when I, when I put out a book through image, it's like, um, the, the cost of printing and distribution, all that is, is massive. So, um, if you that the digital sales can offset that yeah um and it, it can sell forever because it's never gonna you know it's never yeah. gonna you know shop's not gonna sell out of it well ever. it certainly it's,
0: changed it's, um yeah. you know as far as novels it changed people's careers i mean people were able to self-publish and self-fund mm-hmm. and yeah you know i'm not sure if you're familiar with with hugh howey he's mm-hmm. um i i would i think you'd love his book um he's got a bunch of books out there but he has a book series called wool mm-hmm. um it's a dystopian uh uh book. And he's like one of the first major successful self publishers out there yeah. that was able to retain all his rights and everything like that. Yeah. And he's doing it full time now, you know, yeah, that's which, wonderful. which he wasn't before. And yeah. it's, it's just amazing what it can do for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what's your take real quick? I keep saying real quick. See, yeah. I, I just want to talk forever. Um, <laughs> On, on virtual reality, because mm-hmm. earlier this year, you were named a top influencer in, yeah. in virtual reality. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. That, was that surprised surprise to you? Yeah, but, absolutely. But for, <laughs> for something that you were doing with Moriarty, so mm-hmm. two things. One, you're looking into that technology yeah. as well, mm-hmm. because that's coming quicker than we can, you know, it's already here. Mm-hmm. And how hard was that to to put together and work on?
1: Well, um, it, it was it was it was took a lot of work, but yeah. I mean I I don't actually design the technology myself. Of course, what what yeah. I do is uh, what, I, what I did was just not, trying to knock on doors and pitch it to everybody. Uh-huh. It was just like going and trying to pitch a comic book again. This, right. But it was like I did have the slight advantage of saying, hey, I have established IP with a Sherlock Holmes uh, universe uh, leading character and published by Image Comics, the home of the Walking Dead. So I had that so on that my you had side that, this time. Your back pocket, yes. which is great, right? Yeah. So, um, but I, I hooked up with this group, um, they're this company called the Transmedia Group. They're in uh, Sydney, Australia. I met them at the VRLA show earlier mm-hmm. this year. I had been pitching it for probably a year, year and a half, um, or at least trying to get people to listen, but nobody was quite interested in, uh, they didn't understand. Nobody really was connecting to VR comic book. Right. But these guys, these guys did, you know, and, um, we, they, we, they put together a prototype for WonderCon and, um. Yeah, it turned out really amazing cuz we put nice. our heads together yeah. it's like what what would a VR comic book be? Uh-huh. And so we 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 chose to start with this story called Moriarty Endgame, which is a 10-page short story that Anthony and I did, um which actually was at the printed in Red City as a mm-hmm. bonus feature and would later released as a standalone on uh Comixology. So that came out on Comixology in February 2015 and it's a 10-page story that has it's uh in a a, a tech-laden future. With Professor Moriarty has an army of airships and Sherlock Holmes has an army of mech warriors right. and London is like leveled I and in ruins. It. And um, but they're still like you know it's still a battle of wits and of uh-huh. minds. You know, and uh, you know they really liked that story and so they're making a virtual reality comic book out of it. And uh, they they had the re- le- the most recent edition of uh, VRLA I think it was in August here and they were back here and they had done a build for the HTC Vive uh-huh. that was. Um, and it was like the first, like uh, I want to say, it was probably about the first four or five pages of the uh-huh. story. Each um, you're you're inside a panel of a comic book, each scene, you know. That's so amazing. you start off on the on the on the deck yeah. of Moriarty's ship, and you see actual. Art lifted off the comic page is placed into this virtual 360 environment with word balloons and with the Vive is room scaled. So you can walk around inside the virtual environment. That's so you can walk right up to the comic bubble. You can walk right up to Professor Moriarty's face and look at him, uh, you know, um, in, in a 3D space as if he's like really there. Um, oh, wow. You know, I yeah, am it's so amazing. I'm curious
0: to see where. where- that technology will be like five years from now, even two years from now. Because that sounds absolutely fascinating. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. you know, you're talking about airships versus mechs and stuff like that. I'm like, Yeah, I wanna be I wanna yeah. be an observer. I yeah. don't wanna be caught up in it. Right. I, yeah. I wanna be
1: But you feel caught up observer. in it, in this yeah. VR comic man, yeah. you're like in the middle of it, you know. That's you, amazing. When he jumps out of that airship, you're standing in the middle of the air watching him jump out of this airship, you know, it's uh, and you look down and it's thousands of feet down. Uh, you know, Oh that's
0: well, yeah, yeah that would probably gosh,
1: that's, <laughs> It's scary. They, and they, they they put a little platform under you mm-hmm. uh, so that you can stand on the platform so you don't get too. So dizzy. you don't
0: because yeah because that's but you that can walk off thing. the
1: platform and, and like be like a uh, be like a Looney Tunes character <laughs> you know what I mean
0: <laughs> and look and
1: look thousands of feet below you but uh, wow. yeah they, those guys are doing a wonderful job so. I'm hoping that's going to be available uh, early 2017. We'll, we'll see.
0: Yeah, that would be. I um, can't so wait. Gonna, Let us know so yeah. we can we can definitely put that up. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming over to my house and oh, thank and you. Talking this to is me. fun. It was, I loved
1: catching up. Yeah, this was,
0: I, I said before we pressed record that this was going to be Dan and I's catch up session of yeah. about the last decade, which yeah. is awesome. So once again, uh, please visit um, the Kickstarter for Bloodworth Issue Two. Support that. That issue, it's gonna, it's, it's like I said, it's got legs. It's awesome. Thank you. thank you again for being here, and thanks for kneeling the whole time. That was really nice of you. i
1: my, knee, my I know my knees are sore. I can, I, can you I get know, I now? usually, <laughs> yeah, you can't go ahead and
0: get okay, up. I usually, you. I should have given oh. you a pillow. I didn't even think about that.
1: Supplicants, you may now rise. The merciful odd has chosen to spare you. Please exit the internet to your left.